That's one hell of a catch and release program. Talk Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is a weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Test episode 161 was recorded live May 16th, 2013. Welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson, and it is almost summer. If, if it isn't summer, it's feeling like it. I think I actually had a good sweat going on today. And before we get into it, I'd like to welcome my co-host for this week. We have Jim Schultz. How are you doing today, Jim? I'm doing just great. Thank you. And we also have, joining us, filling in for Mac, we have Dave Tonneman. How are you doing today, Dave? Loving it. Great day. Beautiful weather. Yeah, I, I think this is why we live in Michigan, is for days just like today. I can't, there's a lot of other times where I, I don't know why I do. <laughs> Yes, this is one of three that we're going to have this year. This is one of the three three days. So that means that if you if you didn't get out and do some diving today, you missed it. So it is certainly reminiscent of some good dive weather. What we'll do is we'll bully our way through the scuba in the news, and then we'll head on and talk about how everybody's been getting wet. So first article up is a follow-up, and those in the chat room are going to get uh, to follow along. We have uh, the Lulu down in Alabama. They're getting closer. We're less than 10 days away. They're going to sink it on Sunday, May 26. The 270-foot, 71-foot retired cargo ship will be sunk in about 110 feet of water, 17 nautical miles offshore. So uh, we've covered it many times in the past, so we're not going to go into all the extensive details, but... It is getting closer. If you're down in that area, I'd like to hear if you're going to, if you've got plans to dive it. Is it, are people really going to run out there and dive it right away? Or is it a whole hum? I would think I'd like, divers in that area are just, just jonesing for a great wreck to dive. I'd like to go see it. See it before it gets all corroded and covered. And then go back uh, a year or two and see how it's changed once the uh, crustacean starts on it. Now, there's going to be quite a dramatic difference between, I would think, just in a year, it'll look quite a bit different. You have to kind of get it right away because that's that's unique look. I don't think that stays for long. I'm kind of picturing that first week you it goes down and you still have bubbles all stuck to the, the steel and looks all nice and fresh. After that, we have, uh, we normally don't cover the tragedies, but we have a, a diver who did not make it up. What makes this one interesting is, is uh, his body was found with an illegal haul of abalone. They said it was a large illegal quantity. The police said the 30-kilogram bag of abalone was attached to the body of Andrew Houston, which was found in shallow water about 50 meters off Brighton Beach on Monday after an extensive air and water search. The 51-year-old had been missing since Sunday afternoon. His car was parked at the car park, so they knew that he was still somewhere around the area. He was an experienced diver, regularly dove. Uh, he made the news in 2011 when a small Port Jackson shark latched onto his leg. He swam back to shore and got a passerby to help pry the shark off him. 
You are unmuted. Sorry about that. Did I kick you guys off? Yeah, it, it kind of booted everybody. Yeah, my internet dropped out again. Time for a refund. Yeah. So, so where where did I leave off? Where did you last hear me? <laughs> uh, talking about the shark that had grabbed Mister Houston. Ah, so the so the uh, the shark had latched on his leg. Abalone poaching in Victoria carries a jail sentence of ten years and one hundred fifty thousand dollar fine. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering, uh, are they still going to find him now that he's dead? I think this is in the U.K., so probably not. If it was here, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Actually, actually, this one is uh, down in Australia, but... Ah, yeah, the, uh, right. Yeah, you would... Uh, th- yeah. yeah, retroactive once you're dead. Huh. They say how much... I mean, it was a 30-kilogram bag, but they don't say how much... He had. Yeah. Next one, and uh, this one, I'm, I think it's somewhere on the Philippines. I pay him tribute. They said that they are looking at implementing a new bill, which is going to impose a $25 surcharge per customer wanting to scuba dive. Some dive operators are already worried that the added fee will drive away their tourist customers. The bill 18-72 on Tuesday required all scuba diving shop operators and marine sport concessionaires to impose a $25 surcharge per scuba dive service customer that these businesses provide. So that's per customer. Wow. Uh, under the bill, 45% of the surcharge be collected will be put into the decompression chamber fund. That's a good start. Of buying a decompression chamber. 35% of the surcharge is going to be collected to go to the Division of Environmental Quality for Reef Protection. And the remaining small 20% was going to go into the general fund, of course, for mobile purposes. That's in the Marianas. The Mariana Islands. Okay. Um, that really doesn't sound too bad. I mean, if you think about the cost to go that far to dive, what's an extra 25 bucks? Yeah, I don't think for tourists coming to the area that's going to be much. What what they're concerned with, and we've noticed a trend, is a lot of their customers aren't actual hardcore scuba divers who are coming for a $1,000 dive trip. They're tourists who just happen to to be there and they talk into doing diving. So instead of it being $25 on a two or $300 dive trip, it's $25 on a $30 Discover Scuba. So that's what has the operators concerned. What I think this is, I think this is a scam just to grab some more tax money and that they threw in the chamber and the reef protection as a cover for their real tax, which is the 20% that is going into the general fund. So it's kind of like they, it's like a, like the mob. You know, if they can split it between everybody then and make everybody happy, then it'll go through. But I think they way underestimated the resistance they're going to get on this. Probably so. 
Yeah, because the, decompre- the decompression chamber fund doesn't sound bad, but it's almost like a toll road. You know, if they if they said, hey, we're going to do a, you know, three dollar a dive tax to go to the the chamber fund, how long would it take? Do you think for them to earn the money for the chamber? I mean, if if they've got, I mean, they have to have thousands and thousands of divers easily coming in. I would think. So you should be able to do that in half a season, but would the tax go away? Once, once you got enough for a chamber, will any tax ever go away? Uh, I, I mean, my answer is no. I don't. I don't think as as long as people don't hold their feet to the fire, they'll they'll just keep collecting that revenue. I would say that once they fund once they fund a chamber and they have a fund big enough to uh, support the maintenance and operation of the chamber off of interest, the additional forty five percent will then shift to the general fund. Yeah. So, and then the other the other thing we see here in the states is that that percent that the thirty five percent surcharge of the Division of Environmental Quality for Reef Protection, that's just to pay for staff they already have. So that that's how we do it here. We've we've got staff that we're paying for. We earmark money to go and help whatever that staff's mission is, and then we free up funds coming from another source, and we just put it in, and you get no net gain for additional taxes. Yep, pretty much. Unless you want the the IRS to audit you, I mean they're they're good at that. See, we're just lucky we didn't call this the Scuba Tea podcast, or we'd have been audited. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm in one of those moods. Well, that kind of leads you into the next one if you want to get rid of a mood. <laughs> Diving with crocodiles. This must be the new shark diving, the, an extreme sport. So, Dave, you were saying that that's what diving needed was something extreme. How about crocodile diving? I'm good. I have no problem with gators, but crocs, um, even in captivity, um, even in a, a very thick-walled Lexan tank, um, $120 for 15 minutes. I'm, I'm, weighing, I'm weighing this back and forth and trying to really decide what I want to do, and I'm going to guess I'll have to pass. <laughs> Well, it is an acrylic box that's nine feet tall, one half inch thick, four separate crocodile enclosures. You can take pictures. There's no bars on the outside. It's not really for your own safety other than that the crocodiles like to grab onto the bars. Uh, the reporter who, who went and did the dive said everything looked fine, but there were some exceptionally heavy gouges in the Lexan. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm thinking not. Although I do like the fact that you can drag an unwitting friend into the cage of death with you. Now, how how do you drag them in unwittingly? What, what do you tell them this is? That would be a good question. I mean, I just don't picture. I mean, is it like the pool where you like push them in? I, I just. Oh yeah, it's a bunch of maybe maybe they don't say what it is. Maybe there's no sign outside. Could be. This way to the egress. Is that what they say? That's right. See the egress. And then... 13-year-old caught a little more than he was expecting, but it's a it's a true sign that it is truly scuba season. 13-year-old fisherman caught a scuba diver. A Dutch scuba diver became surprised catch of the day for the 13-year-old boy fishing in the Netherlands, and the hook caught the man in the lip. Ouch! <laughs> did, 
<laughs> Other than the eyeball, I think that is the worst place. The diver said, I heard a sound on my head, and immediately I felt a jerk on my lip. This is William Van Heflin, who had been swimming in the North Sea. He was quoted by the Dutch newspaper. The Daily Pitcher ran showing uh, that they the daily ran a picture of the diver with the hook embedded in his lower lip um, now we, we couldn't find that photo but uh, they did the, this one article did a reenactment <laughs> I was wow. just wondering what what kind of bait do you use to catch a scuba diver a bottle of rum beer can mermaid mermaid gold mermaid Actually, you don't even need a real gold bullion. You just need one of those chocolate coins in the gold foil. A Kobe. Is that Kobe beef? No, a Kobe, C-O-P-Y. I'm afraid to ask what's that. Well, I've got a coin right there. You know, it's a, a Spanish coin that I found when I was diving, and it says right on it, C-O-P-Y. Hmm. Some people would say it means copy, but I call it my Kobe. Oh, okay. It's been a long day, huh, Darren? It, it, it has been. Yeah, definitely a long day. And then have we had enough of the scuba diving record yet? No, but this one makes me not dread decompression stops. Yeah. Local man is going for another world record. Let's see. How long is he going for? Uh, he previously hit the record in 2004 by spending 120 hours and one minute underwater. The record stood until 2001 when the Florida man broke it at 120 hours, 14 minutes. He said he's more worried about the mental part than the physical part of being underwater that long. It becomes more of a mental game through the whole thing. Physically, I've got to be in good physical shape. I won't worry about the physical aspects of it. The main thing is not to dwell on it because as the mind goes, so will the body. So, so the body follows. Uh, he will call a 12-foot by 12-foot platform his home during the week. 7,200 minutes is how much time he needs to fill. So he's he's got a whole list of things that he's going to try to do. The dive is scheduled for July 27th. Uh, in 2004, he raised $4,000 for the Ronald McDonald House. He said this yeah, time we're with the Speedway Children's Charities, the Bristol chapter. Nice to know he's doing it for charity. Ronald McDonald House is an excellent charity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, you really have to do something like this for charity. Yeah, I, I don't think I can do the... Yeah, once you hit past three days, I, I just don't have any interest. <laughs> There's just too many. I would have to use a full face mask because I could probably spend the entire time sleeping. Well, yeah, you, you could. I mean, sleeping would be an option. See, the, the sleeping is not the bodily functions that I worry about on those on that length of a dive. Yes, nobody has yet perfected the S valve. Yeah. Yeah, and and anything that's perfected that would work, I'm I'm equally afraid of. Yes. And then as we're looking for shipwrecks, here here's some survey work done. The world's largest medieval underwater town, University of Southampton professors carried out the most detailed analysis ever of remains for the lost medieval town of Dunwich. They said visibility under the water at Dunwich is very poor due to the muddy water. This has limited the exploration of the site. We now have dived on the site using a high-resolution DID-SON acoustic imaging to examine the ruins on the seabed, the first use of this technology for non-wreck marine archaeology. They said it's rather like shining a torch in the seabed and only using sound instead of light. The data produced helps us not only see the ruins, but also understand more about how they interact with the tidal currents at the seabed. 
the village was 14 miles south of Lowestoft in Suffolk. It was once a thriving port similar to 14th century London. Extreme storms forced coastal erosion, and the flooding have almost completely wiped out this once prosperous town over the past seven centuries. The process began in 1286 when a huge storm swept most of the settlement into the sea and silted up the Dunwich River. But uh, those images look pretty good. Uh, I've uh, taken down a note to research this Didson. Um, from what I'm reading, I'm guessing that a lot of this is buried below the silt, and they're able to act evidently image through the silt. Is this a new acoustic sub-bottom profiler type technology? It could be. The fact that they had uh, the brand name in there. I'm looking. There's some images for Didson. Let's see. I'm, I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's way beyond the preserves budget. Oh yeah, when you when you look, they're going. Oh my goodness. Here here's. Uh, I'll give this to the the chat room and let's see here. Skype. We'll paste it in here. Yeah, Jim, you can. You've got a budget for this, don't you? When the Alaska. Okay, so this this one is the the Alaskan fish sonar. So they're using Alaska is using this to count fish. Uh, I don't have a budget for. Anything, unless it's $5 bills locked down to $1 each. Yeah. I was going to say uh, maybe a Reese cup. Yeah, that, that, that uh, article shows quite a bit into it. You could spend some time on this one. So this one's doing just the opposite. They're putting the sonar on the bottom and shining up, and then it, it's almost like a light illuminating the fish swimming above it. I said the, the Didson can be used to detect fish up to 160 feet from the transducer, and it emits 96 beams. The resolution of the images Didson produces increases with the number of beams used, which I'm sure is directly proportional to the amount of money you have. That is quite true. Yeah. The bigger your wallet, the better your imaging. So Didson stands for Dual Frequency Identification Sonar. Now, the Alaska is not, they, they don't have a trademark on it like the other article did. So I don't know, it doesn't make it clear if this is a technology or a product. They said the Didson generates a large volume of data, more than 30 gigabytes per day, for some of the for some of the Alaska's projects. Huh. Well, if you uh, are into that line of work, Google's actually looking. Google is looking for divers and programmers to work on their newest underwater project, their underwater street view. Google and the Catlin Street View Survey want you to strap on a scuba tank and start snapping pictures of the with your Android phone. Now, they've already said Google Glasses don't work underwater. <laughs> uh, so th- this was out at Google I.O., which, happened, which was going on today. Uh, he said that uh, they were using $50,000 Seaview SVII underwater cameras on their mapping dives. And if you remember a week or two ago, we had that article where they had the scooter with the lens housings out in front, and that's actually what it was. They were doing uh, the Google Plus chats or uh, well, webcam or whatever, but that was $50,000. They said now that you can do nearly the same thing, imagine this with a Android camera. Gee, doesn't this sound like a little bit like a PR ad for them? No, of course. Google is always looking for uh, for more people to come Google. Yeah. Have you done any of the Google Underwater Street View stuff? I think they did some Great Barrier Reef stuff. I've done a little bit. The, the The problem I have is just the amount of bandwidth it takes to pull up all those images. Right. And 
you know, if they if they had it as someplace I was actually going to dive, I would do it. But to go and do it at someplace I'm not going to dive real soon, it's just too sad. <laughs> but uh, so far, Google's released six underwater Street View maps, interactive maps for locations like the Apo Islands and the Philippines. Uh, they have Hawaii and the Great Barrier Reef. So they're sounds like they're going to try and continue doing that, which is good. I think if you get people interested in scuba diving, that's only only works out better for us. Most certainly. I welcome every new diver. And then this next article is, it makes me wonder what this would look like underneath Sonar or Street View. We have a dive instructor who's getting ready to sink a UFO. I don't necessarily think of uh, Lincoln, Nebraska is a hotbed of scuba diving, but uh, they have a lake that's uh, soon going to have a UFO. It's going to join a 500-pound cement turtle, 18-foot fake torpedo, and a old home bread truck. He says he's gotten a lot of strange looks as he goes driving down the interstate. I- I'm imagining that's in a trailer behind that he's not actually driving the UFO. Well, Nebraska is a good place for UFO sightings, so uh, maybe yeah. it's fitting. Uh, maybe you can do some underwater crop circles. Nice. Well, that does it for most of the scuba in the news. We have, uh, I didn't even know what to call this next one. I thought maybe photos or something almost slightly somewhat dive related. And it, and it tells you how delirious I'm getting about scuba diving when now I'm looking at photos like this, which is waffles that represent shipwrecks. This one that I put the direct link to is the HMS Titanic. Uh, they have Darren, other... I believe that's probably a, a, a result of the dieting. The dieting? <laughs> the dieting and the that... lack of diving is combining to make you want to combine diving and waffles. Oh, it, c- it could be. They have one which is the RMS Lusitania. I like ice cream with my waffles. So the ice cream and the Titanic represent the iceberg? Is that what that would be? There you uh, go. There you yeah. go. Yeah, see, see. Just plow it right in and take a chunk out of the Titanic and take a yeah. chunk out of the iceberg, and, you know, nobody will know. Yeah. And then as it slowly sinks, we'll just, you know, disappear more and more of the waffle wreck. Uh-huh. Yeah. You can do everything. That is phenomenal. The Titanic iceberg waffle. Yeah. See, that that kind of goes with the uh, – with a, a a uh, dive-themed bar. I mean, it can be both breakfast and a dessert. Then you wouldn't have to leave to go to the uh, late-night breakfast joint. No, it's all all right there. Now we have the Shark Shield, so potentially cool scuba gear. Gizmodo reports on this one. They said the Shark Shield may make it safe to go back into the water, which I really wasn't too worried about it anyway. They said the unit weighs approximately one kilogram and is a I guess it's supposed to keep a shark from chewing all the way through your leg? I think it's supposed to work similar to the ultrasonic mosquito repellers. Oh, yeah, because they're talking about that you have to use it in salt water because the lack of salt reduces the water ability to conduct electrical. I've seen these sold for surfers. You actually mount it on the back of your surfboard because surfers look like seals as they're hanging over and paddling out. And it, it just has an antenna drags behind the board and it creates some kind of an electromagnetic field around the board and supposedly sharks aren't fond of it. Hmm. So, I mean, is, is it bad karma for the scuba divers to 
tie fish to the surfer's boards? No, but it could be entertaining, especially if you had a GoPro. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. They said the Shark Shield is available, and they're expecting it to go for $695 Australian. Hmm. I don't know what a, what the only, I'm, a, I'm afraid to go check, but I'm going to have to. So let's see. 695 AU2 US dollars. Wow, we're remarkably even with the Australian dollar. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, almost the same. So that 695 Australian dollars is 682 US dollars. I think a good dive knife is, I'm going to take my chances. I'm going to go with a camera. I, I personally like sharks. I like them until they start nibbling. No, it's all good as long as it's your buddy, not you. And then we've talked about the GoPro, and I believe Bob Sweeney has one of these, doesn't he, Jim, the uh, Contour? Yeah, he does. So if the Contour's coming out. You know, they, they know that they have quite a bit of competition against the GoPros. They try to differentiate themselves a little bit. So they have their own uh, underwater camera, and this particular article is a review of the camera. High-resolution photos, wide-angle Four gigabytes card. They said the Rome 2 can support memory cards of the 32 gigabytes in size, which hold five hours of footage. Now, what I thought was interesting is, that, is on this one, they're not putting a viewfinder in because they say found that most people just plug them into a computer to download them, but they have included a laser for sighting. But does that laser show up in your imaging? It doesn't sound like it does, but, it, but you can see it. So I don't know how they're working that out if it's through a filter. Or is it a touch, the laser comes on, you aim it, turn the laser off? Well, yeah. in the old ones, the laser was on all the time. Oh, so you've, so you've seen that on these before? <clears throat> yeah. But, Jim, if I'm remembering right, weren't those mainly used for measuring? The lasers were set at a certain angle, and you could, no, in they, the image, measure they had the distance them, so you, between the beams? No, they had them set up so you could uh, determine if you were level, since there wasn't a viewfinder, per se. Okay. Uh, you know, if the beams were level, your shot was level. If the beams were one above the other, you were at a 90-degree angle. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, they did a good job in the, the review here. Uh, so it just lets me know that this has to be on the short list if I'm looking for an action camera. It looks rather small and compact. See, I, I would love to have one for everybody in a dive group, or two, you know, you know, put them in a couple different spots. I like how, Jim, how you have yours on your your helmet. But to also have one maybe in another spot, you know, on the shoulder or, you know, back of a hand mm-hmm. would be good as well. I like the idea of the mask strap if, if the camera is small and light enough. Yeah. yeah. You know, Bob's, this is what Bob's got. Not this particular camera, but one very similar to it. The one thing is even though when they're small, by the time you get a decent underwater housing that can go as deep as you want to go, they tend to get a little larger, but they're yeah, getting down one, to size. That's one thing I really liked about the GoPro was it was a you know a good uh, underwater video quality, and it came with a great housing. So, and now they've got the new version three out, which is even more compact and much better uh, video quality. So, you know, but it, I guess it depends on what you want to do with it and how you want to configure it. Yeah, I'll I'm take well, one. Please take one of each. Now that that would be a review. That's what somebody need to do is put one side by side and take videos of the same items. That that would be a plus. You know, dive down with four different of these micro cams, and if you could 
put all the video in one screen. Yeah. And then you can see what you're seeing with each camera on the same dive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, uh, you know, white balance. How does white balance work? How does resolution, color sensitivity, all those things can play into it. So, excellent. Well, that does it for scuba in the news. Now, uh, Jim, did you get any any diving in this, this last week? Yes, I did. Um, let's see. <clears throat> After last Thursday's podcast, I do Saturday morning and working on my tech training and configuration and then dove Monday and Tuesday and today. And Tuesday was the best dive of all of them. I've been continuing to tweak the gear and tweak the configuration. Tuesday, I dove with ankle weights and borrowed a pair of fins because the fins I had weren't working too well. Um, the ankle weights made me feel a lot more confident. I wasn't worried about uh, the, you know, the, the boots getting filled and the fins popping off. And uh, but unfortunately, the ankle weights made me, you know, even though I kept my knees bent and my fins above my knees, uh, they kept my knees low. So that was a, an issue. So I ditched the ankle weights today and struggled again. You know. With, for the most part, was able to control the buoyancy until I shot the bag. Bag tangled, had a problem with that, but um, didn't do too bad. You know, when I would stop and try to hover, I was uh, head low. A lot of mic moist from somebody. Can you shift the bands any higher on the tanks, Jim, or are they already at the crown? Uh, they're just maybe half an inch from the crown. So I think what I'm going to try to do is move my back plate up a little bit. Try shifting the bands. You'd be amazed at what that little half inch will do for you. Yeah. All right. I'll work on that tomorrow. That'll drop uh, your tanks down on your back a little bit. Yeah. The problem I have when I drop the tanks too low is I can't get to my valves for the shuttle drills. Hey. Yeah. You know, so it's one of those, <clears throat> i got to make the, the strap so loose to hike the tanks up to get to the valves to, uh, then I'm, you know, shifting around and almost not having great control of the tanks when, when I'm hanging on to them. So it's, it's just a matter of continuing to tweak things, try something, try something else, make minor adjustments, keep diving it, keep diving it, keep diving it. So, Boy, doesn't that just suck? You have to go dive more. Well, yeah, it, it's. I, I've got a great deal of respect for people who uh, can handle these doubles and hover in anywhere from you know six feet of water to thirty feet of water because we're doing a lot of up and down just to make sure that we can control and maintain the buoyancy. So it's been uh, been interesting. Uh, new configuration things are you know the 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 backpack I'm using or the the backplate and wing is very similar the way it's rigged and clipped to the Zegel Ranger I had. So, you know, it's not totally foreign, but, you know, the clips are a little different. The locations are a little bit different. You know, that uh, muscle memory that you develop from diving the same gear over and over and over again for years uh, is different now. And so I've got to, you know, relearn my muscle memory and uh, be able to get my, you know, pony tank on and off much faster and be able to swing back and do those uh, shutoff valve drills. So 
It's uh, definitely a challenge. It's very humbling. Um, you know, I considered myself a good diver as a sport diver. You know, I had no problems um, doing somersaults or rolls or flips, forward flips, back flips, anything I needed to do on my, my single tank. But uh, doing with the doubles, it's, uh, it's a new experience. Now you'll be an old pro before too long. Well, I don't know about an old pro. I'll just be old. <laughs> Those are but any I'll other... keep working at it and diving it. Uh, we're planning to get out Saturday again. And then depending on what happens Saturday, we may hit Lake 16 on Sunday. If I don't do that, I'm probably going to do a uh, Lake Michigan dive on Sunday. Really? Ooh. Yeah, I I heard through the grapevine that... Um, uh, oh, crud. Where am I? Bob. I'm by a Bob. Yeah, that Bob went and dove uh, the South Bend. Yeah, I heard that last weekend. Or was it the uh, weekend? Uh, South Bend, I think you hit. South, South Bend, okay. Yeah, in Diamond Lake. And so I think they're going to try to get out Lake Michigan this weekend, if we can, with his boat. So if I'm not at Lake 16, I hope to be in Lake Michigan. And I will well, we'll use the double config and just, uh, you know. Well, to help you out on me, I, I dove uh, doubles before. I dove doubles before, but I dove them deep. And so I, you know, didn't have a problem there. And then I just did my, you know, I certainly had an upline when I did my ascent and hangs. So, you know, I got lucky in that I didn't have to run into problems. But certainly would like to have better skills if I'm going to dive them on a regular basis and put myself in deco conditions where you can't make a mistake and the surface is not an option. So I'm taking the discipline. Did you choose a computer yet, Jim? I'm leaning towards the Sun 2, you know, uh, kind of torn between that and Shearwater. They each have their benefits. Well, I think uh, Steve will agree with me. Shearwater is it. Yeah, I think if I think if all things were the same, I would go with the Shearwater myself. The only thing I don't like about the Shearwater is they don't they don't have any movies on it yet for your deco hangs. Oh, that brings something else. Other than that, the Shearwater does everything remarkably, and it's it's built for that kind of diving. Although Sunto does have some some computers that are really really on that edge, also. Yeah, I don't I don't think the Sunto is a bad computer. I just you know, and maybe it's just because I know more people with the Shearwater than the Sunto, but that Shearwater is on my short list. Yeah, it's it's all mine. It's just a matter of back and forth and deciding which way I want to go and which one I want to want to use. I think a lot's going to depend on who I end up doing more diving with so I can be compatible with the team versus, you know, the only one in the group who's got the oddball computer. Yeah. Well, if it helps you out, Jim, uh, I've been looking at the marine forecast for Huron around the Harbor Beach area for reasons to be disclosed at a later date if things work out, but uh, they're calling for four to six knot winds and one to twos. So Mm. that's very, very amicable diving conditions. Yep. One to twos aren't bad. No, one to twos are incredible. Yeah, one to two is just like a normal day. But well, I, I think the, the devil in the detail in a one to two is, is it one to two in building or one to two in falling? Very true. Yeah. So, no, I, I still haven't gotten out and done any diving. I'm, I'm, I'm not even sure we got any water around here anymore. Well, did you start repairing your wetsuit yet? No, no. I'm not, I'm at this point. It doesn't need to be repaired. It's summer now, almost summer. 
Yeah, it doesn't I, work to prime when you're naked. <laughs> it's it's called fishnetting. No, I, I no, I, I think I'm just gonna go hardcore. Yeah, you know, just just let it slowly fall apart. No, I, I'll I'll glue it up. That might be a good project for this weekend. But this weekend is a is a I got scouts and the kids got horse equestrian team and yeah. But I did get permission to take at least one day, Memorial Day weekend, for diving. So that Memorial Day weekend, I will be diving somehow, somewhere, even if it isn't a puddle. Watch, watch that be hurricane gusts and 20-foot waves. Mm, nice. Well, I will say since the last time we talked, I actually got a couple of dives in that were decent, uh, really close to the house, and uh, went into a hole that, according to the charts, was 105, and uh, I think it bottoms out at 94 now. So since 1951, a little bit of silt and sediment has settled in. thought we had treasure a couple times. We had some floating ropes, and after I pulled about 250 foot of rope out of the mud, I found the other end that was chopped by a prop. Hmm. Did find some nice treasure. Brought back about six red solo cups and a couple of empty bottles. <laughs> Very modern. Now, do you have that song going through your head when you picked up the red solo cup? It started to, but I really, really do not like that song. So it, it promptly was pushed out of my mind. But it was nice to get in and, and just to get deep again and just have that Zen diving moment. It was uh, it was really an awesome dive. And the fact that it's within a couple of hundred yards where I'm sitting now is even better. Depending on how things go, uh, there's either going to be a secret dive spot explored this weekend or I'll be back in the lake right here and just doing some more exploring. And before we open it up, and uh, there's a couple of people that would like to come out and dive. I know Steve in the chat room would like to come out here and just do some more deeper time working on his buoyancy with his rebreathers. Before we... Uh, bring people over to dive, we got to make sure we scour it and any good stuff we've already grubbed out. Yeah, yeah, I see how it is. I'm not thinking there's a lot of good treasure. Although we did see quite a few carp if anybody would like to come spearfishing. Yeah. I'm just trying to find find any way to get in the water. I, I did advance my uh, dive equipment test tank project this last weekend, so uh, I'm to the point now of shoveling. <laughs> Nice. I've got multiple hours of moving a shovel, which I remarkably didn't feel on Monday and Tuesday. And I think just because I'm an old man now, it took me until Thursday for the pain to kick in. <laughs> but uh, hopefully it won't be too long and I'll have that, that project complete as well. So it's somewhat dive-related. Well, we have to get you in water. And uh, hopefully before we're too long, we're probably a month or so out from uh, maybe being able to move some sand. Yeah, we could we could be any day really. I mean, any time the I think it's more Jim having uh, Schultz having time where he's not working on his tech diving. He showed well, us for the between deep. that and his honeydew list. Yeah, <laughs> he gives up the working life and now he works more than he did before. Yeah, that's for sure. My body sure feels like it too. <laughs> I'm using muscles I haven't used sitting at a desk for a long time. That happens. But hopefully uh, conditions will be right this year, and maybe we can uh, go out and find some numbers or some other identifying features that will close that loop. Well, I imagine well, when Mac gets back in town, he'll be anxious to get to doing something a little different. Yeah, I'm sure he's missed not being in the water, and especially with the, this time of year. So you know he'll want to get wet and work on some projects. So my I've got goal... a couple of very young uh, 
couple of very young, enthusiastic divers that would like to uh, come out there and assist on that. Yeah, I've got a number of people who want to come over and work on Max Rec with us, so we'll be making the weekly trek out there, I'm sure. Only to find that uh, yeah, it was completely uncovered in December, and now the sand just moved back in. Yeah, 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 I'm sure. Yeah, Jim, I got it to pitch after the show. Okay. So, well, everyone, it's been a while since we've had any five-star reviews on iTunes, so if you haven't gone and done so, if you could, that'd be great. Go over to iTunes, put a five-star review in for us. Also do a few reviews on TalkShoe. We're show 73759 on TalkShoe, which is most likely you're subscribing. We're also on Stitcher. I'm always amazed when I go over to Stitcher and look at the numbers, how many people are downloading. So Stitcher fans are great as well. The website is www.scubaobsessed.com. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash scubaobsessed, and access scuba forward slash scubaobsessed. You got anything to, to pitch, Jim? Not at the moment. Just get out there and get wet. How about you, Dave? You got anything? Anything coming up? Yeah, a couple things I can pitch. Um, yeah. Support support your local dive shops. Get out there. If you haven't been in the water in a while, do a review class. If there's something you're wanting to do and you've been dreaming about it, jump on it. You're hearing Jim talk about his odyssey into the tech diving realm and, and the challenges. If you're a diver, do something to expand your knowledge in diving. If you're a diver, find that new dive buddy and bring him into diving and take him out. And support your local preserves, support your non-local preserves, and just do something diving-related every day of your life, even if it's just stare at the aquarium and wish you were small enough to get into it. <laughs> I'll jump off my set box now. Now, when you said, geez, get into your dive aquarium, I just had an image of my face on the inside of the tank looking out. That's actually not a bad place to be. Um, I have yet to do it, but there are several aquariums that I'd like to work with. That that'd be that would be really awesome. Oh, so a little bit more than a 40-gallon tank then? Yeah, quite. Well, I guess we're to that time of the show. This this one is really bad. I, I that, that time of the show? That time of the show. That you, Okay. I, I, all right. It's all right. that time of the show. It is. I, I can't take down. anything else. I, I tried to delay it as long as I could. Oh, dear God. All right, let's do it. I can't find my seatbelt, but all right, I'll hold on. Okay, here you go. The old ruddy diver stumbles out of a bar, trips on a curb, and bumbles into poles. A cop stops and asks him, are you drunk? Oh, thank God, states the grizzled diver. I thought I was bent again. (laughs) His lungs don't quit the source. That was pretty bad. Yeah, no, I, I, I kept the guilty innocent. So, until next week, go out there and get wet. Stay safe. And no grizzled divers were hurt in making this podcast. one diver who did get his fish hook through his lip. 
Oh, in the airport. That wasn't the podcast. That was just in reporting on the podcast. So I guess we're okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> we we it's weren't at, we we weren't at that cause. We we didn't cause that. That's one hell of a catch and release program. Though. Call recording has been completed. Night, Steve. <laughs>